friends that you make. Wind may blow, seasons may change. There's one thing I know. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Welcome to Rise Up. Episode number 290. We've made it. 290 episodes. We only have 10 left until episode number 300. And, uh, you know, every 100 is a milestone. Really, every episode to me is a milestone. You know what I mean? Like every time we can go from one day to the next, preaching the word of God, preaching the name of Jesus, holding ourselves accountable, looking back on the last day where we screwed up and where we can be better tomorrow. That, to me, is a milestone. Every single one of them. And I hope and pray that that is the same for all of you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on this February 12th already. Year of our Lord, 2024. Like I said, this is episode number 290. And I titled today's show, Time for a Change. It is time for a change. The world seems to be at a crossroads, and because the world is so full of, I mean, don't, worry, don't get me wrong, the world is still full of good as well, but the world is so full of evil, and the world is so full of uh, God uh, deniers, uh, deniers of the word. The world is so full of self-righteous people that it isn't the things of the world that's destroying the world. It's the people of the world that are destroying the world. And I know because I was one of them for the better part of 40 years of my life. And I know that change is hard. I know it is. I know that stepping out of your old and into your new is difficult and different. And I also understand that in today's world, it's very, very scary to stand up against that evil. It looks like it is Lifelike's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lifelike. Happy birthday to you. Hope you have a great birthday. But it isn't only the change that we're going through that's necessary, ladies and gentlemen. The change that is needed in this world is going to take you to step it up. It's going to take me to step it up. This spiritual battle, we're losing it. We're losing it. And we're losing it because of us. We're losing it because of the church. We're losing it because of faith leaders. We're losing it because of denominations and not just following God's word as a whole. We're losing it because we cause our own divisions. We're losing it because we're not strong enough Christians. And I'm not saying lifelike or me or KC 2022 or Eileen. I'm saying as a whole, the body of Christ is losing the culture war now, we're not losing the full, I don't, want to, I don't want this to be confused. I want to step back for a minute. Jesus has already won the battle. The war is already won. But that doesn't mean that we sit as idle Christians, as lukewarm Christians either. That spiritual battle that's going on that Jesus has already won 
It has very real and fleshly consequences as well. And that is where we come in. We come in and we fight this earthly, worldly, fleshly evil that the spiritual world has basically kidnapped, taken over, and condemned. And it is up to us here on earth to be strong Christian men and strong Christian women. And I really blame it on the pastors and the preachers and the priests and the reverends of this nation and of the world. Christians have allowed the world to make us weak, ineffective, uninspiring, And in some cases, actually, I would say in most cases, most cases throughout the world in these churches, hopeless. KC2022 says the wheat is being separated from the chaff. That's exactly what this show is about today. Separating the wheat from the chaff. And I'm going to tell you where I failed this morning. I failed. I failed this morning. I sit here always and I come on here. And I always tell you about how I succeed. I tell you about how I win. I tell you about how God wins. I tell you about changing people's attitudes and, 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 and being the Christian that God wants us to be. Today, I'm going to tell you an opposite story. And maybe God brought me through it for this reason. I don't know. But we're going to talk about that today. Again, today's title, Time for a Change. Now, I sent out a newsletter this morning. You might want to check and see if you got it. Seems to be taking a while to send out. But check your newsletters. See if you got it. Make sure that you, if you did get it, you're opened up to the correct verse, which is 2 Timothy 4.1. Again, it, 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 we're, we're going to get there in a little bit. But for all those who want to get preemptively ready, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. Before I even read the description today, I feel like I need to go. I need, I need to go to the Lord now because I need the Lord here dwelling with us before I even start reading anything. Because this morning, like I said, I failed. And I want to make it right today on Rise Up. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one. Bow your head. Focus on the cross. <clears throat> Lord and Heavenly Father. Lord, it seems like the further I get in my journey with your only son on our way to see you, I feel like I let you and him and myself and other Christians down so many times. And the further I get with Jesus, the more I realize I fail. I'm kind of, I was kind of confused about that lately. But I understand that that's exactly what you're supposed to do. I understand that the further you get with Jesus, the more you realize the worldly, earthly things that still have a hold over you and the failing that you experience brings the wisdom of Solomon and that we must fail. But the key is never giving up and never losing focus on Jesus. And if we do lose that focus, as Peter did on the water, We know Jesus is right there with his hand to pick us back up. 
And I thank you for that message. I thank you for that lesson. And I thank you for that trial that I experienced this morning. Because now I know what I need to do. Father God, we pray for discernment. We pray for the nine fruits of the Spirit to be evident in our daily lives. And we pray for accountability, both outward and inward. We thank you for the blessings and the miracles of this day. We thank you for opportunities to fail and learn. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, yesterday was a, uh, was a pretty emotional day for me. Um, I put this on Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, you probably already saw this. But yesterday was a pretty emotional day for me because it was February 11th. Now, if you go back 23 years to, Febu- uh, to 2001, February 11, 2001 is when I got out of prison. I never looked back. Unfortunately, there are so many people in prison who do just what Sarah did and look back. And when they look back, they go back. Your steps are going to be directed by God. Your choice to follow those steps or the step or go backwards and focus on the things that are behind you, that's your choice. That's not God's choice. It's not Satan's choice. That's your choice. And unfortunately for the prison system, because it is a money-making private business, they can't keep them full enough, which means that once you get out of a, uh, of a situation like that, you're still in the system. And it is so hard to get out of that system that the prison actually, I should say the prison system actually depends on a revolving door of people screwing up. And they get it. It's like return customers to a store. That's what a prison system is like. Now, fortunately, with the grace of God, before I even believed he was real, he brought me through that into my new and away from the old. And again, I never looked back. So February 11th every year for me is an emotional year because I think about all the people that did look back. I don't think about my time there. I don't think about my the things that I lost or the things that I won. I don't think about the, the times that I was stuck in, in solitary confinement and what it did. I don't think about that. I think about every year on February 11th. Do you know who I think about? Remember the story I told you, Eli? Remember the story I told you about the guy East Boogie who tried to fight me and, 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 and swing on me and all that? I, I, I think of him. I think of him. I think of him because he was a lifer. Meaning that he was now he had life in prison. He's still there. If he's not dead, he's still there. I think about the people that I knew that got out that came back before I left. I think about the people that got out when I got out, but went back and I heard of it. And I'm like, dang, man, they're back in there. Didn't they learn? And I think as a world, we put more focus on tearing people down. And telling people what they want to hear rather than lifting people up and telling them what they need to hear. I think that is the 
big difference, and I think that's why the world is crumbling. I really do. I think the world has become a world of tell me only what I want to hear. Don't tell me what I need to hear because I don't want to hear that. So we as Christians, for some reason, have happily obliged and just shut our mouths. Boy, what a different world I would have experienced had I had a God, had I had a father outside of God, an earthly father, but had I had a godly father. Imagine the difference in your lives as a child had you had godly moms and godly dads who told you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear. Not those parents in Walmart, Eli, that go, if you keep it up, I'm not getting you something. No, you're not here to get something to begin with. You're here to help me shop for our family. If you get something, it isn't because you're good or because you're bad. It's because I wanted to buy you something. We're not here to get you something. And if you keep this up, your life will be very, very bad for the next couple weeks. That's the kind of stuff children need to hear. But yet children are told what they want to hear so the parents can have an easier life. That is not a parent's job. A parent's job is not easy. Ask God. Ask God. Ivanisar says, my son's father did screw up many times back in and out of prison and got raped in there, lost his mind, and when he got out, he was not the same. Then got cancer and passed away. That's very sad, actually. It's very sad. Rise Up, episode number 290. The world is at a crossroads. Full of self-righteous, non-believing, non-caring, rude, and ignorant people. Thanks a lot, government. Thanks a lot, school system. Thanks a lot, non-denominational churches who only started a new church out of your own pride because you didn't want to follow the actual word of God. So you decided, oh, I'll start this church. Well, I don't like the way you do things. I'll start this church. Well, I don't like to do you th- the way they, they do things. I'll start this church. Oh, I'll start this church, and I'll add a bunch of man-made stuff into it because it's the way I think that the congregation should, should, should act and be exposed to these certain things. No. All you have to do is follow the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. Done. You don't need a name of your church. Church of God. How about that? That's it. Feelings have taken over facts. And I'm going to say what needs to be said right now. Not what anybody might want to hear. The Christian man. M-A-N. The Christian man needs to step up strongly and assert God's authority over this nation again today. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian woman shouldn't, because they should. So should Christian children. But if you want to be real here, men run the world. 
men can decide to be weak or men can decide to be tough. Now, you can be a strong, tough Christian and still embody the nine fruits of the Spirit. God never tells you not to get angry. He says to focus your anger righteously, like Jesus did. It's funny, though, because we as Christian men have allowed the world to make you and us and the world believe that if a person gets upset, Eli, or, ha- or flips out on something, that they're not acting Christian. Well, who are you to know what acting like a Christian is if you say something like that? The reason why the world is in shambles today is because strong Christian men went into hibernation, became trans, or became weak. And I think it's the latter. Weak. Scared to stand up for their families. Scared to say what needs to be said because they don't want to be called a homophobe or they don't want to be called a misogynist or they don't want to be called a Jesus freak or whatever it is. Like any of their opinions matter. Does anybody's opinion matter? Even the mainstream media who can write any story in the world that they feel like they want to write, they don't matter. The only person that matters and the only person's opinion that matters isn't a person at all. He's God. I guess you can call it a person, three persons in one, but you know what I mean. So this morning, let me tell you where I failed. Let me tell you why I failed. But I said what needed to be said. I just said it the wrong way. This morning, I figured I would get a big start on Monday. I figured I'd get to work earlier than I normally do. Because I am now focusing on things that I should have been focusing on months ago that I didn't have time to focus on. So I've been working a little extra lately. So I got here early this morning and I said to myself, you know what, since I'm so early, there's no traffic out, let me swing in, my own fault, to Dunkin' Donuts. Let me grab a nice, fresh Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a breakfast because I'm not going to be able to eat all day. And I need to eat before I take my lean. So I just, I decided to get a little breakfast sandwich. So I'm the only one in the line. I go through the drive-thru. I'm the only one there. Nobody else is even, nobody is in the drive-thru. And nobody is in the, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts. It's, it's, it's completely empty except for the workers. I said, oh, this is perfect. So I drove into the drive-thru and paid. The lady was there. Fake long fingernails not really paying attention to me, the customer, laughing with somebody in there. Then I noticed that there was actually a customer or customers, I should say, in there. And it was some other woman with two little kids playing with the kids, jumping them up on the counter, letting them press the receipt button and everything, which is fine, I get it. But the problem was, was it was taking the attention of the workers that were in there. Nobody was really paying attention to work. 
So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I pay, thank you very much, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, nobody's there. Finally, two cars come in behind me, and I'm sitting there still. It's like, I'm sitting there for like five minutes. Now, you know, five minutes in a drive-thru feels like forever. And in the grand scheme of things, this is just food and coffee. Not that big of a deal, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Finally, she comes out to the window again, and I think, I just got a sandwich and a coffee, you know what I mean? Shouldn't be that difficult. She says, sir, can you pull up to the second window up there? You know how they do that? I say, yeah, I guess so. She goes, yeah, we'll have it right out to you. I said, okay, no problem. So I pull up to the second window, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror. Five other cars come in. Now the drive-thru is completely packed, right? And I'm sitting there, and the car that's behind me, I look in my rearview mirror. They get a bag of food. They get a coffee. They drive right behind me. Huh, okay, well, maybe they just got a donut or something. Maybe, maybe they're cooking my stuff. Maybe it takes 15 minutes to heat up something that's already cooked, I guess. I don't know. You know, just sitting there. The next car around me. Now I'm starting to get irritated. I'm like, so the problem here isn't the fact that it takes this long to warm up pre-cooked food or, you know, put coffee in a cup. But now I'm starting to understand that it's the incompetence of the people that are in the store. And I'm like, okay, now I'm getting a little upset. Third person gets their stuff, drives around me. I said, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to say something. So now the fourth person behind me, the window opens, and I say, hey, there's still somebody up here. Just let you know. She looks at me. I see her in the rear mirror. She looks at me, shakes her head, hands back the coffee to this guy. He drives around me. Now it's been 15 minutes. So I start honking. Honk, honk. Honk, honk. Not mean, just honk, honk. Finally, the girl leans out and she says, we'll be right there, sir. Okay. All right. Another couple minutes go by. Another car goes around me. So now I start banging on the window. Bang, 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 bang. Hello? What is the problem? Finally, she comes out very rudely, by the way. And I wasn't, that's, a, that's not just me saying she was rude because I thought she was, she was being, you know, that look on your face, Eli, like, here you go. You know, that kind of look. She opens the window and hands it to me. And I said, what's the problem in there? She goes, excuse me. I said, what? And then I swore the F is the problem in there? Is it this difficult for you guys to do your job? Well, sir, you don't have to be rude. No, as a matter of fact, yes, I do have to be rude at this point because I was nice for the last 15 minutes. I gave you the benefit of the doubt for the last 15 minutes. And while it's only a sandwich and a coffee, the problem with you guys in there is that you're lazy, you're ignorant, you have no respect for the customer, and I'm the customer, and I'm the one who's always right, even if I'm wrong. Do I need to speak to a manager? And she says to me, I said, you don't have to raise your voice to me. And I said, listen, lady, I will block the traffic in this drive through just by turning my wheel to the right. I will not let anybody out of this drive through You'll call the cops, and you'll be fired by the end of the day. Is that what you want over a stupid sandwich and a coffee? I said, now, now apologize. And she goes, excuse me? And I said, 
say you are sorry. And she goes, I already did. And I said, well, silly me. I didn't hear it. Humor me and do it again. And she goes, I'm not going to. I said, yes, you are. Say you're sorry to me or this will be the worst day you've had in a long time. And she said, I'm sorry. And I said, good. Now get back there and do your job. There's people waiting. And I left. That was not good. Every bit of that was horrible. From what they did to what I did. I left. And I was so mad. So, so mad. Eli came to work. And I started, didn't I, Eli? Oh, you know what happened over there, blah, blah, blah. But what was it? Ten minutes after I told you and I said, ugh, I feel like crap. And Eli goes, don't feel like crap, dude. You were in the right. I said, no, I was in the right. I was. But I wasn't right in my delivery. That has always been my problem. My delivery has always been my, my anger got the best of me, and I've been able to hold my anger down so good for a, such a long time. And I feel bad now. So I'm going to go back there after my second show today, after Live from America, and I am going to apologize face-to-face. I'm going to give her a gift card. Probably to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Eli, right? A drive through Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Too bad they didn't have just those. She probably did spit in my food. Probably did. Probably did. Don't worry, I didn't eat half of it anyway. I didn't like it. Any- I didn't even want it. But I'm going to go and I'm going to apologize. And I don't expect her to apologize back because the world is like that. The world is like that. But I wasn't really mad about the 15 minutes and, I not, and I'm not really mad about the food or anything like that. I'm mad because wherever you go, it's like that, Eli. That's my problem. It was, a, it, was a, it was a bubbling up of everywhere you go is like this. It doesn't matter if you go to Home Depot, Walmart, the grocery store, the, you call the uh, electric company, the oil company, the, the airline industry. It does not matter. Everybody is horrible. Nobody does their job. Everybody's incompetent. The, the, the lack of respect to the customer, the person that's paying them to be there is mind-blowing to me. So it was a buildup of just months and months and months and months of ignorant, incapable people not doing the job that they're paid to do. Now, Eli, if I didn't come to work, or if I didn't do my, or if I did Rise Up, or if I did Life from America... And I didn't talk about the things or, or, or bring the people the message that they were looking to get. It wouldn't be long before they were just gone. Customers are gone. You have to do your job. But I handled it wrong. And I'm sorry. So sorry. I repent so much. And yes, you are allowed to get upset. And yes, we should be getting upset. We should be telling people what they need to hear, but we need to be telling them what they need to hear as if Jesus was telling them what they needed to hear. Pandy Max says, you acted like a bully to her instead of like, a Jesus, like Jesus would. It's going to be hard to uh, evangelize to her after that. You're 100% it is. 100% it is. It's going to be very difficult. 
but I'm going to go do it because I screwed up. And when you screw up, you need to be held accountable. And if she doesn't take the gift card or she doesn't take the apology, then I guess that's my lesson that I learned. But I screwed up pretty badly. Not in my standing up for things and telling her the facts rather than regardless of her feelings. I messed up when I screamed at her, when I yelled at her, and when I swore at her. That is where I screwed up. And, I need, and that is what I need to apologize for. We're going to read from 2 Timothy. But before we do, I want to read from Understanding the 66 Books of the Bible. Jeremy, but you will be rewarding her for her bad behavior. No, I won't. No, I won't. I'll be making amends for what, I, for what I did. I'll be saying I'm sorry in the name of Jesus Christ for what I did. Not rewarding her good work. I'm going to let her know when I give her that, that I think that her work ethic is, was, is, is, needs to be, have some work done to it. Um, but the gift card is for payment for what I did. I shouldn't have done what I did. I shouldn't have done it the way I did it, I guess. I should have left the drive-thru. I should have parked. I should have walked inside. I should have pulled her aside. And I should have said what the problem was. That's what should have happened. Now, she should have done a lot, too. But it's not my job to tell her what... I mean, to to make her do what she should do. So, understanding Timothy. Let's get into this. If you read the last words of dying people, you'll find saying both preposterous and profound. Playwright Oscar Wilde, for example, said he died in a drab hotel. Either that wallpaper goes or I do. Well, there's no drivel from Paul's pen as he recorded his last words in 2 Timothy. Confined to Rome's prison, Paul told Timothy, quote, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Be diligent to come quickly, to come before winter. Many of Paul's companions had abandoned or turned against him. He needed Timothy's help, as well as a coat and some books while awaiting execution. Hmm. So as we read 2 Timothy, we feel we're reading a final letter from a father to his son. Giving us Paul's testimony and final instructions. I see a lot of mixed experience, uh, mixed, um, mixed statements in here that say I should go back in, I shouldn't, I should apologize, I shouldn't. Folks, I'm only doing what God's telling me to do. God told me immediately, go back and say you're sorry. I can't listen to other people that tell me not to when God has already done that. God has already instructed me. I have to obey. Here's the thing. I didn't honor God this morning, so I'm going to obey him. I'm going to honor him by obeying him now. I didn't honor him this morning. 
I could have chosen that moment to actually spread the message of God in a very stern way, but not been that disrespectful. And again, I, I don't know how she's going to take it. She might not take it at all. But God told me I should, so I'm going to do it. So we don't have to uh, debate that. I should. That's just, it's that simple. If you're convicted about something, you've done something wrong, you need to own up. That's what that is. So let's go to 2 Timothy. But at the same time, as we read 2 Timothy, I want you to know that I should have done something. I should have just done it a different and more godly focused and mannered way, okay? Trust and obey. That's right. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Let's read it. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will, be, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Does that sound like me this morning? I don't think so. I don't think so. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. That's saying for the time will come when people will not listen to the word, when people will not listen to fact, when people will not listen to actual common sense reality. That's what that's saying. Time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That means falsehoods. They would rather believe in fake stuff and not know the truth and feel good than believe in reality and truth and feel horrible because they don't understand that that's freedom. They think that's chains. They think that that is what is... that that. In a way, you are metaphorically putting them in, in, in slavery, and you're not. You're freeing them. But you, keep your head in all situations. Did I keep my head this morning? No. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties. Of your ministry. Sound familiar? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if we're to make America great again, I always say we need to make America godly again. That means our leader, president, whatever it is, our leader needs to be a godly person so that that can trickle down so that other people who are godly people Wake up, stop being afraid to stand up as a Christian. Stop being afraid to tell people where they're wrong. Do it the right way, but be a very stern, very strong, very strong-willed, strong-minded Christian 
who, while doing all of that, also shows and produces the nine spirits of the fruit. That's incredibly difficult because in order for you to exert God's authority here on earth as a strong Christian man, you're going to have to do some things that are not so nice. But there's a line, small window that a Christian has to operate in. It's not easy. God didn't say it would be easy. But that's what we do. We do the impossible because God gives us the ability to do miracles. That's what we do. And since it's Comfort Monday, just like Comfort Friday, Ray Comfort put out a video this weekend about Donald Trump and Joe Biden talking about which one is actually a man of God and which one is not. Or are they both or are they both not? This is an incredible video. It's 20 minutes long, so it's going to take up most of the rest of this show. I wanted to get the story out. I wanted to get the verse out. I wanted to get my apology out before I played this because this, 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 this right here is everything we need to know moving forward to make America godly again. And it starts in our homes and it resonates with our leaders. Roll it. I hit the streets to ask people about Donald Trump's and Joe Biden's faith in God. Admitted Catholic. Okay. And yet he's for the killing of babies in the womb. Do you think that's right? You think he's genuine? No, not at all. I do. Yeah, I think so. No. The most unchristian-like person I think I've ever seen. There are certain fruits that should be in the life of every Christian. This is how we tell the genuine from the false. The Bible not only warns of false prophets, false apostles, false teachers, and false brethren, it says to beware of them. When Jesus said that we're to make judgments, he told us we should judge righteously. So it's legitimate to look for certain fruits in the life of someone who professes to be a Christian. How then can we tell if a politician has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit? And more specifically, does Donald Trump have the things that accompany salvation? I'm a Protestant. I'm very proud of it. Presbyterian to be exact. The Bible certainly is one of, if not, I mean, it is the book. 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's the whole ballgame. Maybe he's not as perfect on the Bible, but I did go to Sunday school for many years. And I go to church a lot. Always on Christmas, always on Easter. I'm a Sunday church person. And when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little cracker, I guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed. The Bible is special. The Bible... The more you see it, the more you read it, the more incredible it is. Proverbs, the chapter, never bend to envy. I've had that thing all of my life where people are bending to envy. So there's the profession of faith. But what biblical evidences are there to see that we're soundly saved? Here are some of the fruit listed in Scripture. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So there you have it. Does Donald Trump bear the fruits of someone who's truly been born again? If not, we should pray for his genuine conversion. Let's now look at some of the policies he's enacted, things that should be pleasing in the eyes of every Christian. It is my profound honor to be the first president in history to attend the March for Life. 
We're here for a very simple reason, to defend the right of every child, born and unborn, to fulfill their God-given potential. I notified Congress that I would veto any legislation that weakens pro-life policies or that encourages the destruction of human life. Every person is worth protecting. And above all, we know that every human soul is divine and every human life, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of Almighty God. administration has done more to shape the courts in just one term than any other president in recent history, a strategy that will affect the laws of the land for decades to come. Since taking office, Trump has nominated a whopping 234 federal judges. 174 of those have been confirmed. Under this vision, Jerusalem will remain Israel's undivided, very important, undivided capital. going to protect Christianity. And I can say that. I don't have to be politically correct. Or we're going to protect it. Amen. We will not allow people of faith to be targeted, bullied, or silenced anymore. No federal worker should be censoring sermons or targeting pastors. These are the people we want to hear from. Our founding fathers believed that religious liberty was so fundamental that they enshrined it in the very First Amendment of our great and beloved Constitution. I'm proud to be a Christian, and as president, I will not allow Christianity to be consistently attacked and weakened, unlike what is happening now with our current presidents. As president, protecting religious freedom is one of my highest priorities and always has been. We praise God for the blessings of freedom. And we ask God to forever bless this magnificent land that we all love so much. As long as I'm president, no one is going to stop you from practicing your faith or from preaching what is in your heart. So the question becomes, should we vote for a politician who clearly lacks godly character, simply because his policies stand for righteousness? That's a question each of us has to answer according to our conscience in the light of Scripture. Does God use the ungodly to fulfill his purposes? Here are three biblical examples of that happening. Number one, Isaiah 45 verse 1 tells us that God refers to Cyrus, the Persian king, as his anointed one, even though Cyrus was not a follower of the God of Israel. Secondly, in the book of Exodus, we see God using the idolatrous Egyptian Pharaoh to display his power and deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And thirdly, King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan ruler, was used by God to fulfill his plan. Interestingly, he was removed from power and greatly humbled. Listen to what he then said. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. Let's now ask the same questions of Joe Biden. Does he profess to be a Christian? 
Does he have the fruits of a Christian? And what are his policies, especially in regards to abortion? This is what every I human should do. We follow what Jesus taught us to serve rather than be served. President Biden later took the oath of office with his left hand on a Bible that has been in his family since 1893. For every person is created equal in the image of God, no matter who, where we come from, who we are, what our color. President Joe Biden has never been shy about his faith, referencing scripture. As the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And faith in the American people will prove each and every day we're a great nation because we're at our heart a good people. I grew up with Catholic social doctrine, which taught me it's faith without works is dead as long as i have power of the presidency know this if congress were to pass a national abortion ban i will veto it you were in south carolina recently yes. and the catholic priest did not give you communion he said it was because of your position on abortion were you offended by that uh, that's a private matter i'm not going to talk about that it's not a position that i've found anywhere else including from the holy father who gives me communion what percentage of politicians in the u.s congress profess to be christian 11 percent 39 percent or 88 i'd say 88. donald trump professes to be a christian you think he's genuine no not at all i do yeah i think so no no that's just political jargon but i know on the outside he hasn't been only God really knows. I, I don't have any you know, reason to not believe that. I agree with my cousin right here. The most unchristian-like person I think I've ever seen. He wants the Christian vote. You know, he's pro-life and seems to stand behind things that Christians do. I can't judge the guy. Every government is set here by God for his purpose. It's his kingdom we're waiting for. Are you going to vote? Well, I always vote. So how do you vote? No, I vote now. It's just whoever's against abortion. Incidentally, I'm with you on that abortion stuff, big time. I think they're innocent, defenseless, little human beings. I've never heard him make a true profession of faith. I think he's just pandering to the evangelical vote. How do you tell if someone's a genuine Christian? Good question. If they act like a Christian. When you think of a Christian, you think of someone who's forgiving and cares about their community and their people, and he clearly has demonstrated that he doesn't and that he's only operating in his self-interest. What do you think of Joe Biden? At first, I thought he would be like, like at least a decent president ever since he got elected for 2020, but like since Roe v. Wade not only got overthrown like during a Democratic presidency, him funding a literal genocide over across the country, I would not vote for him at all. I traditionally vote Democrat. Okay. Committed Catholic. Okay. And yet he's for the killing of babies in the womb. Do you think that's right? Yeah, of course not. Yeah, I'm a Catholic too. He thinks it's okay to kill babies in the womb. Do you think that's bad for a Catholic? Uh, I'm pro-abortion too. It's okay to kill a baby. What do you think of Trump? Wow. He's a character. I think Donald Trump was a great president. Do you ever vote? No. You don't vote as a Christian? No. So you should vote for someone who's pro-life. Make your vote count. Mm. You're talking about human lives. Yeah, I know, right? What do you think of Trump? I personally don't like him. He's against abortion, and I think that's wonderful. We should protect babies you in the womb. Children? Yeah, three. If your child was hurt sexually, ended up pregnant, and didn't want to keep that pregnancy, would you force your child to keep that 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 pregnancy because it's not a child it's a pregnancy you don't know who you're talking about my daughter is so pro-life you wouldn't believe it she would never kill a baby for the crime of the father if she was raped she'd have the baby and have it adopted it's a human life 95 percent of the time i'm against it only time like I, I disagree like if somebody's like raped you could be the product of rape your dad could have raped your mum years ago when he was drunk without permission 
but we won't kill you for the crime of your father. That's a terrible thing to do. It's not that easy. It sounds like it's peaches and cream, but the mother had to live with that. She lives with it anyway, and if she kills the baby, she has that on her conscience. Here's a question for you. What does God think of abortion? Uh, God is against abortion. How are you going to do on Judgment Day? Are you a good person? I'm pretty sure I am. You are? Yeah. Jesus said if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Uh, I'm married, sir. I try not to. <laughs> when did you last look at pornography? <laughs> I, that's not my thing. Uh, when did you last look at pornography? I don't know, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to plead the fifth? I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. So that's the standard God's going to judge you with on Judgment Day. That's why you need to flee to the cross, put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, and then bring forth fruit that's worthy of repentance. That's what the Bible says. There should be things that accompany salvation. And then you should read God's Word because it's His love letter to you. No Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. God first. He gave you life. He gave you a wife. Gave you kids. Gave you breath in your lungs, eyes to see with, ears to hear with. So you owe Him everything. Yes. Hear what I'm saying? Amen. And then pray about your attitude to a woman being raped because that's a that's an important issue. Well, you heard I said 95 percent. I mean, I just, you know, I'm not for killing anybody. Well, don't yeah. advocate it. Don't vote Democrat if you're against abortion because Democrats are for abortion no matter what, even wow. in later stages in the pregnancy. Don't vote Democrat because Democrats are for abortion no matter what in the latter stages of pregnancy. What a powerful message by Ray Comfort this morning. Do you think that's popular for him to say? Basically, he was endorsing Donald Trump. That was an endorsement of Donald Trump. And not really of Donald Trump, the man per se, but Donald Trump, the, uh, the candidate for, with those policies that he has. You notice Joe Biden talks like a Christian, acts like an evil atheist. Donald Trump, a lot of the times, doesn't talk like a Christian, but his works show that he is. I'd have the latter. I'll have the latter. If I had to have either one, I'll have the latter. Now, let me just tell you a quick story real quick. Do you remember the guy named Sam Calais, Eli, that put the, uh, that put the uh, Satan, Satanic thing for Christmas up on the thing, and then, and then I called him out on social media, and then he started getting apparently death threats and then took me to court, tried to get me like served with something or arrested or charged. And the judge said to him, Jeremy has a right of freedom of speech. He can say whatever he wants. He can't really do anything. However, Jeremy, you think you were at, you think what you said and what you did was acting like a Christian. And at that time, Eli, I said, you know what, judge, you're probably right. I probably wasn't acting like a Christian. Had I, if I could go back to that three years ago now, four years ago, I would say 100% I was acting like a Christian judge, 100%. This man was trying to bring a demonic, devil, Luciferian, satanic symbol to put up right next to the birth of Jesus as an attack on Christianity. And you're damn right, it's a Christian thing to do. That's what I would do if I could go back. So ladies and gentlemen, we're human. We're flawed. We're going to make mistakes all the time. The question is, do we recognize the mistakes that we make? Are we doing it for the right intentions but the wrong delivery? 
And if we are, nobody in the world can tell you you're not a Christian. So stand strong, Christian soldiers, because the world needs you now more than ever. Don't be apologetic. Show the nine fruits of the Spirit, but be stern. Flip tables. Do whatever you got to do. And if God weighs it on your heart to make up for something you did wrong, then do that. And that's what I'm going to do today. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Crispy, Unafraid, starts now, followed by two hours of Live from America. Thank you for being here. I love you. God bless you. Stay focused on God. Everything will work out. See you later. Yeah.